the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back uh, to the Seth Leapson Show. I am Seth. The number is 602-508-0960. Sorry, I got lost on a, on a, on a news story there. 602-5089-60. Uh, if you want to uh, call in on that last question, uh, we did it in the, we were chasing down in the last hour. Nikki Haley announced that she'll be announcing for president uh, tomorrow. I guess that's how you get two days of stories. I announced that I'll be announcing. It's kind of like a... Um, Save the date card, I suppose. <laughs> Is that right? Something like a save the date card. But in any event, um, it was a uh, it was a. If you want to watch her her pre announcement video, um, it's worth watching. I mean, it is a great message she has, and she's hitting all the right notes. Um, as far as American exceptionalism, as far as the woke, uh, the industry of woke um, that pervades. Uh, business and culture as far as um the racial divisions it's 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 a it's a perfectly good message i i just i'll i'll repeat what someone told me uh what one of the listeners uh, called in and said which was it's a perfect message i just hope she withdraws before the first primary uh, the point being that uh the chances look slim and there is this ironic point in Regardless of whether you support Donald Trump for the presidency or the nomination or not, there is this interesting, ironic point. She's obviously left team and camp Trump. Obviously, she had made the promise that if uh, Donald Trump runs, she won't. And he is and she is. So she's obviously um, off team Trump. But the more candidates that enter the race, this is the irony. The more candidates that enter the race, the likelier it is Trump becomes the nominee because, you know, think about the, the, the slate of candidates. If Haley's in it and throw in others like Pompeo, perhaps, or Pence, or uh, there's others that are being spoken of. Uh, that some are speaking of Greg Abbott. Some are speaking of Asa Hutchinson. Some are speaking of Christy Noam. Some are speaking of Tim Scott. Some are speaking of Ted Cruz. Uh, some are speaking of um, some. Some are speaking of Glenn Youngkin. I think I just rattled off ten, close to ten names there. Um, but the more that enter, the more they're going to divide every primary and give the plurality to Donald Trump. And the only reason, obviously, um, they would not support one of the two front runners right now is they uh, is they. Um, if they're not going to if they're not going to, you know, if, if the only reason they would they would not support a DeSantis candidacy or a Trump candidacy is is because I, I've gotten this sentence so wrong. I am so sorry. Let me try it again. I apologize. The only reason they are planning to run is because they don't want to support one of the top two front runners, which is Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And yet their candidacy will likely um, spell the victory of Donald Trump. This is why Brandon Weikert was making the point the other day. His wish, I don't think it can actually be done, is that uh, Rona McDaniel should figure out a way to 
to tell all the other candidates that this is a Trump-DeSantis race, stay out. Now, as undemocratic as that is, wrestle with that as you think about what the Democrats do. I mean, they're, they're, they're just not going to bludgeon one another with 10 candidates. They haven't done that in a race in a long time, and they haven't done it in a race in Arizona in a long time. And we get calls here during election season, don't we, during primary season? How come all the signs of people running for primaries are Republicans? How come the Democrats don't have these problems? Well, you know, say yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down, yay or nay to smoke-filled rooms or top-down leadership, the Democrats have a way of putting their arm around someone and saying, you're it, and putting their arm around the others and saying, not your turn. And look how fast, for example, look how fast everyone retreated from running against Ruben Gallego for the primary the Democratic nomination for the Senate in Arizona. I mean, that happened in the snap of a fingers, in the snap of the finger. They did the same thing with Katie Hobbs. They've done it up and down, left and right. They don't have primaries that bludgeon one another, waste resources, waste money, and write ads for the other team in their oppositional research or in their oppo ads. Uh, We do. It's probably more Democratic, but it also may not always lead to a better election, a better election success come general election day. So you tell me what you think. Um, is 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 Nikki someone you would support? Does the narrative for her candidacy make any sense? Do you support the idea, even if it's factually impossible for the leadership of the Republican Party to say to everyone else, "Stay out, stay out." I don't know how you can. And I don't think it's quite fair because in some respects, they all come with different levels of expertise. Um, You know, Mike Pompeo brings with him a different portfolio, a different briefcase, a different suitcase of expertise than, say, Ron DeSantis, but maybe not a different one from Nikki Haley. Um, They're they're foreign policy guys, guys and gals. Um, That's going to be a little different. Mike Pence brings something altogether different. Uh, Ted Cruz brings something different than all of them, as does Tim Scott. So in some respects, it's not quite fair to say, you know, you stay out. But really, at the end of the day, if we if we take politics seriously, we take the lesson from Winston Churchill that our chief duty is to see things as they truly are, to see things as they truly are. And figure out, you know, which isn't too hard to figure out, what the country is going to want, what the country is going to need, and who has the best chances of rallying it, and who has the best chances of defeating the opponent. I mean, all of these things going together. I will say one interesting – make one interesting observation. With the slight outside chance but that this former governor of Maryland, Hogan, is that his name? slight outside chance of, of, of Hogan and Maryland having any kind of a serious candidacy. You know what's kind of interesting and worth noting about the Republican Party and all these guys, all these guys and gals, all these 10 or more? You know what's interesting? None of them are soft or are moderate or doe-faced Republicans. They're all really conservative now, their tenor and temper may be different. Obviously, the tenor and temper is much different between, say, a Mike Pence and a Ron DeSantis or a Donald Trump. 
But they're all – you can't say he's not a conservative. In fact, that's why Donald Trump picked him, right, to bolster his – Donald Trump's conservative credentials in 2016. That says something interesting about the party, doesn't it? That says something interesting about the seriousness of the ideology of the party. It's just an observation I, I was making here and I thought it was worth pointing out. Some may not have the fight or what did they say of Andrew Jackson? They may not have the shoot in his eye. Good for you, Bill. You knew. You knew where I was going with that. I know why you know where I was going with that, by the way. Someone misheard me on that once and got all offended, right? Shoot in his eye is what they said of Andrew Jackson. Some of them have more, some of them less. But ideologically, they're all strong, strongly conservative, or as Mitt Romney might say, severely conservative. Patrick's in Chino Valley. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Seth. How Thanks are you? for taking my call. Thank you. Hey, uh, in, in this discussion, I, I think that uh, what's being lost is what is the purpose of the, the primary election for the Republican Party? And uh, I ask that because I hearken back a few decades ago to the uh, candidacy of Bruce Babbitt, who was the governor of Arizona. Uh, his purpose in running for president was not to be nominated. It was to gain a political position within the uh, within the administration. Should it have won? Think- he ran in. Uh, I have to uh, think back a second. He ran in '88. If I, I believe so. In the yeah. '80s, yeah. Yeah, he ran in '88, and that race uh, included people like Dick Gephardt. And Al Gore, if I'm not mistaken, and Bruce Babbitt, yeah. a couple others. That was the year. It Quite went a few to, others. Yeah, Mike Dukakis got it, though. Oh, Paul Songus, wasn't he in there, too? Paul Songus, I think. I remember there. mostly uh, uh, Mr. Babbitt's bicycle ride across Iowa. <laughs> I remember when he stood up in the debate, uh, physically stood up. Yeah. yeah, you make a good point. I have to take a break, Patrick. You're welcome to come back on the other side if you have more. There is the point to make. That, you know, a lot of these people say they're running for president when they're running for vice president or, yeah, secretary of the interior. Uh, 602-508-0960, 602-5080-960. Room for more. And Patrick, if you have more, welcome to hear from you, too. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I think Patrick is still on the line in Chino Valley. Hi, Patrick, you still there? Yes, I am, and thank yep. you. Yep, you bet. Uh, yeah, bringing, bringing that up to the pre- or closer to the present election uh, or the oncoming election, uh, we, we look at, uh, what, McCain and Palin in 2008? Yes. I think the Republican Party didn't, knew they didn't have a chance against... Uh, that candidate, uh, that other candidate, party's candidate. Barack and so they Obama, put yeah. Palin in. As a, yeah. They put Palin in as a token. Hey, look, we're up to date too. I, I would accuse the uh, if they don't consider seriously Nikki Haley or other women. I, I think there's a tinge of backroom bigotry going on in the Republican Party. Well, that that's interesting. So, that's interesting. The Palin choice in 08 still, 
is a head scratcher to a lot of people, and it goes in a few different directions. So start with the first point that I think we all agree on, Patrick, which is the headwinds yeah. against the headwinds against McCain, no matter who he picked, with the campaign and candidacy of Barack Obama, were a hundred miles an hour minimum. I mean, he had strong headwinds. You have to remember how unpopular the Iraq War was. Um, right. John McCain was kind of the leading voice in favor of supporting it after the president, who was George W. Bush. George W. Bush had been a two-term Republican president, very rare to have three terms in a row uh, of a Republican president. Um, The 1980s were kind of an exception with Bush following the two terms of Reagan. But Reagan left very popular and George W. Bush did not leave very popular. So in many respects, McCain had those general election uh, problems, but he also had a problem – with some of his base, didn't he? In the way that Trump did. You know, Trump needed Mike Pence to bolster his conservative credentials, so to speak, in the way that, you know, maybe George H.W. Bush thought he needed Dan Quayle to do that for him. And so McCain needed to find someone. And, um, you know, a lot of people uh, really, really, uh, it's hard to underestimate, it's hard to overstate, it's hard to overstate how much people really liked Sarah Palin at the beginning, at the very beginning. And she gave one of the greatest convention speeches of all time. It goes to show you a speech isn't everything, or one or two good speeches isn't everything. Um, And then the question becomes, did McCain pick up more votes because he picked her than he otherwise would have? I think think you're right. He would have lost the race no matter who he picked. Was she a net addition of votes? Well, to the degree that he got the base uh, behind him and rallied them with her, probably the answer is yes. But um, but there certainly were other people that could have done it. And uh, boy, you know, I like thinking about how fast someone can rise and fall in American political culture. It's equally true of American politics. I just think I just think Sarah Palin is a nearly forgotten person at this point. Yeah, well, uh, it's a different playground now, and yeah. uh, I, I think uh, the Republican Party needs to come in with a more open mind. Thank you. Well, no, thank you, Patrick. Um, I wouldn't immediately uh, myself assign anything prejudicial if they don't pick uh, a certain person based on, on on their ethnic or other background, gender or otherwise. I hated the notion, hated the notion that, you know, Kamala Harris, when she was picked for vice president, created the theme that now young girls, particularly young girls, vernacular of our time, young girls of color, know that they can do anything. And I just thought, well, you got to be careful with that. You got to be really, really careful with that. Because if she's not good, and those were her qualifications, her, her her gender and her race. If those were her qualifications and she ends up flopping, what do we attribute that to? This is what Shelby Steele called the uh, permanent stigma of questionable competence. And it made very little sense to me that Kamala Harris should have been Joe Biden's pick. He didn't need her for California. You often think those terms. 
often, not always, you often think on the states, she had shown herself to be a very lousy candidate in running for presidency herself. Um, and for anyone who paid a little bit of attention, her, you know, she, she just can't complete an interview without turning off the viewer and the interviewer at the same time. So now there's this interesting game people are playing in Washington on who's leaking from the administration how badly Kamala Harris is viewed from within the administration. If you follow the liberal dailies, the Democratic Party dailies, I should say, known as the New York Times and the Washington Post, there are this there is this uh, there is this a series of stories coming out over the last couple of weeks that Kamala Harris is viewed negatively from within the administration. This is a not-so-subtle way of sending the message that if Joe Biden does not run again uh, for presidency, that uh, it shouldn't be her, it shouldn't be she, it shouldn't be she who thinks that she should. And... So then that becomes a question, what, 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 who's going to run in the Democratic Party? I'll tell you who I think it's going to be if Joe Biden doesn't run. I'll, I'll tell you, my, my view is it's probably, it's probably either Buttigieg or Newsom. That's my guess. That's, those will be the front runners. And Kamala Harris, having obtained her position through artificial qualifications, is going to fade into anonymity and ignominy. Because those qualifications were never meritorious in the first place. And the Democratic Party will have set up someone for failure just at the very time and at the very moment they were trying to make a statement to the contrary. So, you know, they, they, invited, they invited these problems on for themselves. They really did. Uh, when I say Pete Buttigieg, you may laugh, but... The truth is, when you look at – well, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Name me two other members of the Biden cabinet. Takes a moment, doesn't it? The reason is they're pushing them out there a lot, a lot. And they have no shame about pushing them out there on ridiculous issues when we have serious transportation crises in this country, this Palestine-Ohio thing being only the latest – serious ones. And he's out talking about tree equity and things like that, racist roads. Um, so I, I think they are pushing him. I mean, that is the next kind of ceiling, isn't it, for the Democratic Party to try and break? That is kind of the next glass ceiling, I think. Yeah, that's pretty much it. If they're serious, they'll probably, I don't know who, if I were advising them who I think their best bet would be, Probably Gavin Newsom, probably at this point. All right. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Did you notice in the State of the Union speech, Joe Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit? That doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth 
less, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold from the only dealer that Seb Gorka and I and thousands of you already trust. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of recession. Don't let Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group by checking them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com or giving them a call at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000. I know we covered this a little bit yesterday when it was breaking. I wanted to do it one more day so long as others are talking about it too um, because I just have nothing but contempt for this kind of behavior and nothing but contempt for former National Intelligence Director Clapper. The story, as many of you may know, and if you don't, is this. He is now saying that the Politico report on Hunter Biden's laptop in 2020, that the report's headlines was deliberately distorted. He is now saying that what Politico put in their headlines on the story was wrong and that it was deliberately wrong. What was the headline? The headline was Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo dozens of former intel officials say. This was the 51 former national security intelligence officials who said that Hunter Biden's laptop looked like Russian disinformation. James Clapper is now saying that the headline was wrong. It doesn't actually in the story say it's Russian disinfo. It says it has the looks of it. This is worse than the kind of apology that sounds something like, I'm sorry if you were offended. This is worse than that. This story made the Welkin ring. And Joe Biden quoted that very headline in his debate with Donald Trump, and James Clapper said nothing. James Clapper said nothing. This was the interview James Clapper gave to Aaron Burnett at CNN at the time of the story. Listen to it, because not a single word he said was true. Obama. So, Judge, a bunch of questions from this. Let me just start with this. How much does the source matter, right? So you hear the story of this laptop. We don't know a lot. We do know that the the way that this information is getting out is through Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. How much uh, do the, the does the source matter here? Well, source matters a lot, and uh, and the timing matters a lot, I think. And to me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook uh, Soviet Russian uh, tradecraft at work. Uh, the Russians have analyzed the target. They understand that the president and his enablers uh, crave uh, dirt on Vice President Biden, whether it's real or contrived, that doesn't matter to them. And so all of a sudden, two two and a half weeks before the election, uh, this laptop appears somehow uh, without and uh, emails on it without any metadata. Uh, It just it's all very curious. But so here you have. Uh, a willing target, and the Russians, who are very sophisticated about how to exploit a a willing target. And uh, to me, that's what's at work here. You realize what the lie is? The lie is 
what he said yesterday, that it was an exaggerated headline, the headline being Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say. But he goes on CNN and says, and I'm quoting directly, to me, this is just classic textbook Soviet Russian tradecraft at work. It's not a distinction without a difference. It's not a distinction. I would take the security clearances away from all of these guys. It's contemptuous what they did. Contemptuous. You've probably been hearing me talk about Y-Refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what investing with them can do for you, they would love for you to contact them at 888-Y-REFI-34. They would happily put you in touch with any number of many satisfied customers in the Phoenix area who have been investing with them to great success. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income that you earn. InvestYRefi.com is their website. InvestYRefi.com. Or call them at 888-Y-R-E-F-Y-34. This month, a year ago was when uh, Ukraine was invaded. And I don't know how many of you remember how much Joe Biden spoke about the seriousness of our sanctions against Russia. How many times he said the sanctions are crushing or the sanctions are crushing the Russian ruble or that the ruble has been reduced to ruble because of the crushing sanctions. Anyone who knows foreign policy knows pretty well that sanctions don't generally work against an enemy. I often remind people when they try and correct me on things like South Africa, South Africa was an ally. They don't usually work against an enemy. Steve Hayward knows what he's talking about and picks up on that. How are those crushing sanctions working out for Ukraine, for Russia, for the United States? Well, as Steve writes, while it's generally understood that economic sanctions are seldom very effective in stopping aggression or deterring bad behavior, just look to the decades of sanctions that haven't slowed down Iran or North Korea, and our sanctions on Russia seem not to be delivering the crippling blow we were promised. Still, foreign policy experts, planners, love them anyway. But here's a report from Bloomberg. Headline, Russia did most oil drilling in decade, even after sanctions hit. Here's part of the story. Russian companies did the most drilling at their oil fields in more than a decade last year, with little sign that international sanctions or the departure of some major Western firms directly harmed so-called upstream operations. This helps to explain how the country's oil production rebounded in the second half of 2022, even as further restrictions were imposed on its exports. As we made the sanctions tougher, Russia 
exploited more and more of their resources. Moscow's trade partners have increasingly paid more for Russian crude than quoted prices suggests, according to Goldman Sachs, cushioning Russia from the impact of Western sanctions. Yes, Russia has announced production cuts last week, but this may be more a move to keep prices up than because of supply constraints. And guess how the Biden administration is responding? The Biden administration said Monday it is selling 26 million barrels of crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, a release that had been mandated by Congress in previous years. We're harming our own. We won't drill our own. We won't exploit our own natural resources. We will draw down the Strategic Reserve unnecessarily, and we'll brag about what we're doing to Russia as we're doing nothing to them. Nothing. We're not affecting them whatsoever. We're harming ourselves, not them. It's pretty lousy work. Pretty lousy work. There's a piece over at the Wall Street Journal by uh, Arthur Herman and Mike Pompeo. They write, this month marks the anniversary of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. The U.S., Europe, and much of the rest of the world, with the significant exceptions of China and Iran, have rallied to support the Ukrainian people and condemn the unprovoked attack. This war isn't one more clash of competing nations. It's about a nation defending its freedom against autocratic aggression. While it is important to support Ukrainian people with arms and resources they need to resist Russia, the most vital asset the U.S. can offer is the idea of freedom itself. During the Cold War, Ronald Reagan understood the symbolic value of freedom. He found his strategy for prevailing against the Soviet Union on his belief that the human yearning for freedom is universal and that America's leadership in the world depended not only on military and economic power, but also on its ability to demonstrate how freedom creates prosperity and happiness. This past year, we've learned how universal that yearning is, even in Russia. Tens of thousands of young Russian men refused to participate in Mr. Putin's war, and thousands more risked arrest and bodily harm protesting that war. In China, we've seen massive protests against Beijing's brutal COVID lockdowns, protests that have directly challenged, challenged President Xi Jinping's autocratic rule. In Iran, the vicious murder of a young Iranian woman triggered mass demonstrations that continue to this day as young people risk their lives to protest the mullah's iron-fisted control. Even the execution of prominent protesters, including Mohammed Mehdi Karamai, one of, his, of Iran's most beloved athletes, have failed to quell the unrest. These protests have shaken all three regimes and created a golden opportunity for President Biden to speak in solidarity with these protesters and voice America's support for the struggle for human rights in these three countries. You heard not peep one about any of it in his State of the Union. Not peep one. Not one word. The administration has failed to understand Reagan's most important lesson. Quote, the ultimate determinant in the struggle now going on for the world will not be bombs or rockets, but a test of wills and ideas, a trial of spiritual resolve, Reagan said. You know, it's it just, if I could parenthetically add to this, this is the real problem that you bring upon yourself. What's the phrase, hoist on your own petard? But you really paralyze yourself. When you run down America so much and attack the notion of American greatness so much, 
that when you, by dint of fortune or election, become in charge of that country, you've put skid chains on your tongue to speak on behalf of America in the way that you condemned it for the previous several years. That's language the Democratic Party does not like. Language that is pro-America, language that speaks highly about our exceptionalism and greatness and that we have something to teach the world. The dramatic irony is while protesters on the streets here in America want to downgrade and delegitimize the American exceptionalism, protesters in the other countries are hoisting American flags on the Declaration of Independence. That's the dramatic and sad irony. Hugh Holman will be coming in uh, studio shortly for our third hour. And um, let me just picking up on where I left off, speaking on behalf of America. You know, we had a caller earlier. Was it John in Phoenix who was talking about the greatness of Lincoln and how his birthday just comes and goes now without mention? And pretty soon here we'll just be commemorating President's Day, a general President's Day. We used to commemorate Lincoln's birthday the object of which was to learn something from him or about him. And you can understand and begin to appreciate why Disney and others have gone after Lincoln because, as I said with John Cribb, he was the founder's greatest lawyer and spoke beautifully about American exceptionalism. You want to see the talents of a young Abe Lincoln, look at his eulogy of Henry Clay from 1852. It's one of the most poetic things you'll ever read. You can find it online, and he compares the life of Henry Clay and the growth of Henry Clay's life with the life of America, the growth of America, the birth of Henry Clay being analogized to the birth of America. And then he has this beautiful line. It's a beautiful line. Bear with me. Mr. Clay's predominant sentiment from first to last was a deep devotion to the cause of human liberty, a strong sympathy with the oppressed everywhere, and an ardent wish for the elevation of the oppressed. With him, this was a primary and all-controlling passion. Subsidiary to this was the conduct of his whole life. He loved his country partly because it was his own country but mostly because it was a free country. And he burned with a zeal for its advancement, prosperity, and glory because he saw in such the advancement, prosperity, and glory of human liberty, human right, and human nature. He desired the prosperity of his countrymen partly because they were his countrymen, but chiefly to show to the world that free men could be prosperous. How beautiful is that? He loved his country partly because it was his own country, but mostly because it was a free country. How beautiful is that? And so now we just will tear down presidents who stood for that while we wonder why we have presidents who can't. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.